Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Real Talk About Feminism. We're your hosts, Mackenzie and Haley. And this week is episode 23. And we are doing an episode in honor of 9-11 that happened in the U.S. um, in 2001. So we'll be highlighting some heroes today and trying to focus on the acts of heroism that came out of this tragedy instead of the terrorists themselves. So it'll be heavy, but we would like to honor those who were victims. Before we get started, Haley, how was your week? My week was good. Um, let's see. Um, I went on a fun date, super fun, mm-hmm. and I worked and kind of just hung out. I I was pretty productive this week. That's good. How was your week? It was good too. I feel like I've been productive. I've been getting my school schedule managed and kind of just doing me. We've been working out too. We did all three days this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been doing good. Although I will say Wednesday and Friday, I was a little bit lazier than you and you were definitely pulling the most weight. But Friday, I was just like tired and it was Friday. That was was me Friday too, though. We just sat on the bench and talked about our credit scores. Yeah, we we were like comparing. So yeah, yeah, that was fun. Um, Yeah. yeah, Other than that, though, nothing crazy. Well, do you want to start with the first highlight? Um, yeah, so this week we are not doing a feminist highlight because we're highlighting a lot of people, um, just, well, not a lot, but like six different people, um, who were heroes during the 9-11 attacks. So because of that, we're not going to do a feminist highlight because we kind of have highlights through the whole episode. Yeah. (laughs) So like Mackenzie said at the beginning, um, We felt like we needed to talk about 9-11 because we do want to talk about, like, things that are very important on the podcast. And um, by the time this episode drops, it'll be the day after Mm -hmm. 9-11. But like she said at the beginning, we don't want to highlight the terror associated with this terrible attack. And, like, it was a terrorist attack and it was terrible and awful and almost 3,000 people lost their lives and more than 6,000 people were injured. But we don't want to focus on the terrorists who flew the planes into the Pentagon and the World Trade Center um, because they don't deserve recognition. What they did was awful. So we do want to highlight um, the heroes who risked their lives. Some of them ultimately end up sacrificing their lives and others who put themselves in very dangerous situations to save so many people. And I think that that's, it truly just demonstrates the American spirit. Like we have a lot of hard, heavy stuff going on in our country right now. And there's just a lot and a lot going on around the world. Like it's awful. There's so much hardship and so much heartache and just like violence and sadness. But we can remember that we do have the potential to come together as Americans and as the whole world, but especially as Americans, as we saw during the 9-11 attacks. So we are going to, (laughs) I I just want to add to, there are 
so many heroes that we can't mention just because there's so many. <laughs> um, but we did choose a few that really stuck out to us and touched us. And we just want to add, like, there are so many people that we couldn't account for in this episode, but there was a lot of goodness in this time amongst tragedy. Right. And we will put the articles that we referred to in the show notes because those articles do have other people's stories. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that there's a list of all of the victims and all of the people who were helping out and truly being heroes. So um, you guys can find that in the show notes. So the first hero that we want to highlight is a 24-year-old equities trader who helped at least a dozen people get out of um, the World Trade Center. And then he went back up with firefighters to save more. So his name is Wells Crowther. Um, As a teenager, he was a volunteer firefighter and he was working at the World Trade Center. And just after the airplane struck the South Tower, he called his mom and left her a voicemail saying, quote, Mom, this is Wells. I want you to know that I'm okay. So he called his mom, let him know that he was okay, but he knew that people needed help and that they needed to get out as quick as they could. So he was on the 104th floor. Um, and he went all the way down to the 78th floor and he started directing people towards the stairwell so that they could get out as fast as they could. Um, so he became known as the man in the red bandana because he had a red bandana to just cover his mouth from all the smoke and debris so that he could stay conscious and help as many people as he could. Um... So this is a quote um, from the article that we referred to. Like I said, we'll link it in the show notes. It says, amid the smoke, chaos, and debris, Wells Crowther helped injured and disoriented officer office workers to safety, risking his own life in the process. Though they couldn't see much through the haze, those he saved recalled a tall figure wearing a red bandana to shield his lungs and mouth, end quote. So he was still doing the best he could to save people and it was even though like it was so hard to breathe so hard to see so like I said he was on the 104th floor he went down to the 78th floor and directed survivors to the staircase and he was directing people help other people if you're not injured or if you can like help other people carry people get everyone down and the whole time he was carrying a woman on his back while he was going down all these floors So he carried that woman down 15 floors and then went back up to help others. So he passed her off um, to other first responders after going down the 15 floors. Um, So Ling Young was a survivor from 9-11. And she said about um, Wells, she said, quote, he's definitely my guardian angel. No ifs, ands, or buts. Because without him, we would be sitting there waiting until the building came down. So that was one of the survivors who he helped save. Um, And he helped save at least a dozen lives that day. And because he was just going back and forth, back and forth, um, just helping people. Um, And then later his body was recovered in the stairwell alongside firefighters. And all of that group, the firefighters and Wells, they were going back up to rescue more people. And they ultimately lost their lives. And 
that's heartbreaking. The thing that really got me, and I'm getting chills, um, the thing that really got me was when he left the voicemail to his mom. Mm -hmm. And I just can't imagine um, being that being the last thing that you hear, that you're okay, that your son is okay, and then he's not because he lost his life, but he saved so many people. And that woman is one of the ones who can testify to his bravery and keep him alive in a way because she's telling his story of how he saved her life and how he risked his his life to save dozens of people. So that was one of the first heroes that we wanted to highlight because yes, like he was a volunteer firefighter when he was a teenager, but he, he didn't have an obligation Mm -hmm. like to help people, but he was a good person, just like so many other people. And he recognized that it was time to step up and time to help people. And he didn't have to, but that's what he did. He could have gone down to the 15th or down 15 floors with the woman originally and kept going, but he was so selfless and his act of service and bravery, he was able to save so many people, even though he risked his own life. That's really powerful. I got chills too. The next story is about two former U.S. Marines and it's about um, 27-year-old Jason Thomas and Dave Carnes, and they were both former Marines. Um, Dave Carnes was a um, staff sergeant, and he's from Connecticut. And I don't know Jason Thomas's rank, but he was a former Marine as well. Um, so they were both uh, going along with their days, and Jason, when he heard what had happened, he had his Marine uniform in his trunk of his car, And he put it on and he rushed over to the towers and uh, Dave Carnes, when he heard what had happened, he was in the middle of getting a haircut and he booked it out of there, changed into his Marine uniform. And he drove towards New York city at a hundred miles, 120 miles an hour. Um, And coincidentally, they didn't know each other before, but they ran into each other when they arrived and together um, they started searching for people in the debris And they climbed through all the rubble. It was extremely dangerous, very chaotic. They were alongside first responders and they kept yelling, United States Marines, if you can hear us yell or tap. And they um, tore through the rubble and they ended up saving two lives. They found two people stuck in the rubble. Jason Thomas, after he left the scene, he returned to Ground Zero for two and a half weeks to help. And then he later actually re-enlisted back into the Marines and served two tours of duty in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked that one because um, it showed like our our soldiers who fight for us, they they're so brave and they just stepped up even though they both and I. I don't know much about the army, but I imagine um, just having friends who um, are serving in the army, I know, or um, in the military, I know that they have like a sense of duty on their shoulders Mm -hmm. and they take it very seriously and they're willing to fight for the country and, and to die for all of us. And I know that every single one of my friends who does that would be willing to die for all of us 
And so I just think it's really amazing because they're really an example of how the members of our armed forces just really step up no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like he just happened to have his uniform in the back of his trunk. And I know that he was dropping off his, his mom and his daughter or his mom and his wife. And then he heard that. So he changed and he went, um, no, that's okay. But I just think it's a really, really amazing demonstration of how, how brave our soldiers are and how brave they are and how much they're willing to fight for us. What stuck out to me was the last point I made about him helping at the scene for two and a half weeks, which is insane. Like it took that long and longer to search through the rubble, account for all the missing people, clean up the city and the scene. Mm -hmm. So I think it's amazing that he literally dropped everything in his life. Two and a half weeks is a long time to go and help. Mm -hmm. And like you said, he, he didn't have to, but he felt that sense of duty and he did, he stepped up. Another thing that I had read when we were reading that story, um, was when, before he left, he told his boss, I might not be back for a while because he Mm -hmm. knew that he was, it was going to be much more than just assisting for one day. And you're right. He didn't have to do that, but he did. Wow. Yeah. And they both survived. I mean, they weren't there when the towers collapsed, but like it was dangerous. People died just searching through the rubble. And so I'm, I'm right. And I'm glad that they were able to find two people that were trapped and get out themselves and return home. Yeah. And I know that people are, are still dying and suffering side effects from Mm -hmm. all the debris, even now, like a lot of firefighters and first responders and just people in general are still dying from that years later. So you're right. That was so brave. Um, So the third story that we wanted to highlight was an NYPD police officer and her name was Moira Smith. And she is known as the woman with the flashlight. So, um, after the attacks, uh, Moira prevented mass hysteria and crowded exits by directing people with a flashlight because, um, not that I was there, but I like seeing videos and pictures, like it was extremely dark because there was so much debris. Mm -hmm. And so people couldn't see, and especially like, like the dark just makes everything so much worse because it, it's scary because you can't see what's going on. Right. And I just can't imagine how they felt in that moment. But Moira was directing people with a flashlight and showing them where to go, where to exit, and trying to keep people a little bit more calm amongst the chaos. And today, survivors still remember her as the woman with the flashlight who saved potentially thousands of lives by restoring order and trying to calm people down by guiding them. And she ultimately did pass away and sacrificed her life to save other people but people still remember her as the woman with the flashlight and that's such a a simple thing to think about like she just had a flashlight and was showing people where to go but in that moment of mass hysteria and panic and people so many people dying she was their guiding light and i think that that's really did she pass away from the attacks or just natural causes later in life um from what it seemed like it seemed like she passed away during the attacks 
but I'm not sure because I, w- I was trying to figure that out, but it seemed like she did pass away in the attacks. That's really cool. Yeah. And it's crazy too, like these people who probably thought they were doing something very small and just trying their best to help in any way they could, like people still remember right her as yeah like they don't know her name and now they probably do but she was the woman with the flashlight she made that much of an impact wow the next person is deputy inspector terry tobin this is insane (laughs) during the attacks she had a glass pane lodged in her back and she had also been cut by a cinder block through her school, and she still assisted people. From one of the articles we keep referring to, it said she, quote, rose from the debris like some kind of superhero and rescued people who were in panic, end quote. I can't imagine that. That's absolutely insane. Glass pane lodged in her back. Not like it came and whizzed by her and just gave her a big gash. No, it was lodged in her back. And she still helps people. That's so crazy. And her school yeah. was cracked. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I can't imagine. Like, what a hero. I really liked what the quote said from the article. She rose from the debris like some Yeah, th- that's a perfect way to describe it because that's what I'm yeah. picturing in my head. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I'm, like, imagining that. Like, honestly, like, when we say we're highlighting heroes, like, these were everyday heroes Mm -hmm. these were regular people who just stepped up and there's so many more like ken said that we wish we could highlight so we'll put them in the show notes but it's just really amazing and we still have um one more to highlight but i'm just thinking right now um it really is so i i remember in school they stopped talking about Mm -hmm. 9-11 because, and this was like kind of recently, and this was at least at our school, but they stopped talking about 9-11 because they didn't want to keep the terrorists alive and they didn't want to keep recognizing the terrorists. And they felt like it, it took away from, I don't know. I don't know either because I just remember like one year we did and then the next year we didn't and like when we told mom and dad they were like what like you guys didn't even talk about it or anything and it really was like so like such a 360 yeah and I remember um I don't know like I I do remember my junior year which was my senior year because I graduated early um I remember my history teacher he was wonderful he was probably the most passionate teacher I've ever had. And his name is Mr. White. So (laughs) if anyone knows him, you know, Um, but he was amazing. And I remember he had mentioned, you know, like as part of the curriculum, we don't, we're not talking about it anymore, but I remember he did show us a video of what happened, Mm -hmm. just like a, you know, a little summary video. And he talked a lot about like American heroism. So I know that he wasn't supposed to talk about it, but he knew that it was important for us to know. And I think like, I I get not wanting to remember the terrorists and give them power and feel like they, you know, they're the ones that are remembered, but truly 
people focus so much more mm-hmm. on the fe- our fellow Americans who stepped up and who were heroes. I agree. And this up and coming generation, they're not going to even know what it is. Because like right. you and I, like we were what, like one and two, we were very young. I was in the womb. Were you? Yeah, you were. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, I, I'm, my birthday is okay. in November. And yeah. So September, right very, very born. young, but like, we still are very familiar with what it is. And like, um, our younger sisters are too, but not as much, you know, like th- mm-hmm. they didn't talk about it as much as we did in school. And like, by the time we have kids, like they're not going to even know what it is unless we teach them about it. Right. And the thing that is so important is like a lot of times we don't want to acknowledge the bad parts of our history because it's painful and it's not something pretty that we want to remember. Um, But if you don't, if you don't talk about things to an extent, then history is just going to repeat itself. And like, we, we see this in like, this might be a very, I don't want this to come off wrong. Okay. But there are certain things that like, if we don't, if we just choose to erase it, then how are we going to learn? And so like, for example, there's obvious things that we should erase. For example, mom went to a high school that was called Robert E. Lee High School. (laughs) No, we shouldn't memorialize him by naming a high school after him. And I think that is very apparent that they needed to change the name and they did. Um, So certain things like that, like we don't need to keep that going. People should know like, why did we change the name of that high school? Because he was a Confederate leader. Great. And personally, and I think a lot of people would agree with this, Confederate flags do not need to be waved still. I agree. Yeah, there's no point. point. It represents slavery, and that's not what we do now. That is not okay at all. And many people agree with that. So Confederate flags don't need to be waved. But so those parts of history, like, if we know what it is, like, if we can recognize, oh, that's a Confederate flag and that represents this, then I think that that is important because we need to know that. Otherwise, it'll just be like, oh, what is this? Let me just blindly follow it because I see someone waving a flag. And if we don't talk, if we don't recognize what those things are, just like recognizing what happened with 9-11, then history is just going to repeat itself because we're not going to learn from it. History is there so that we can learn from it. And there are things that we don't, we don't need to do anymore. We don't need to do, you know what? I think I'm going in a circle, but basically what I'm trying to say is like by our school district choosing to not talk about 9-11, like it's very detrimental because we have to learn from our history and we have to see like, wow, our country right now is, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And it seems like we're so divided, but look at this thing that happened to our country in 2001 and everyone came together. Everyone was one. And it was truly the, the embodiment of the American spirit. So that's what I'm getting at. Like we can't just erase history And there are certain things like Robert E. Lee High School that needed to be changed or don't wave a Confederate flag because that represents slavery and that is not okay. But there are some things that even though it's painful to talk about, we need to just like this 9-11 attack. I totally agree. And I like the way you summed it up just now where and where you mentioned before, like generally with 9-11, 
we focus on the good that came out of it, the heroes, people who stepped up, the change that was made in this country because of it. So I, it is very, very detrimental to the next generations that don't get that education in school because not all parents talk about it. And it's very important and we do need to honor those who willingly gave their lives knowing they might not make it to help their fellow Americans. Yeah. Yeah. And something else that like, I just thought about while you were saying that, like a lot of people don't want to talk about stuff because it is painful. And, um, I know that there's a lot of people out there who know someone who lost their life in the nine 11 attacks. And so I think that's another aspect of why people don't want to talk about things because it's painful and people lost a lot of loved ones. And so I think that's another thing that we can just remember on when we talk about these horrible things that happened, like, and especially on September 11th, like, that's a hard day for a lot of people, even if you didn't lose someone, but it's just a hard day for everyone. It is like, I, like we said, like, we weren't even there. Like, I don't even remember that time of my life because I was one. But when 9-11 comes around, like, it just feels heavy. It's a heavy day. Like, even if you weren't there. And so I can't imagine how it would feel if you did lose someone. That's a terrible, terrible day to come around for you. That's, I feel so bad. And we should talk about it to keep people who were taken too soon to keep their memory alive. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think like, yeah, when we like feel that heavy spirit of this day, just remembering to unite again, just like everyone came together on that day and just be there to support everyone around us. Like get, give a smile to Mm -hmm. someone in the grocery store. I know we're wearing masks right now, or, you know, just, just do, just be there. We need like a general spirit of support and unity because there's going to, there's a, it's a heavy day yeah. for everyone. So I think that's another reason why people just don't want to talk about it because it's, it's really heavy. It's really hard and it's really just terrible, but you're right. All right, Haley, let's highlight our last hero. Okay. So Captain Brenda Berkman, um, she is still alive and I would actually love to do a full episode oh, on her okay. or a highlight because it's amazing what she did. So Captain Brenda Berkman, she is still a firefighter and she mourns the loss of her colleagues who were among the 343 firefighters who worked alongside her that day, um, saving lives. So she was working for New York fire department and, um, flash back to the eighties. She was the face of a lawsuit that paved the way for female firefighters to be accepted into fire departments as equals. So a little bit of background. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, and I know a little bit about this because I um, am an EMT and most firefighters are EMTs. So I've had friends who have gone through the the physical training to become a firefighter. So um, you have to go through a lot of tests, a lot, like a lot of, you have to pass your EMTs in most places. Um, And then you have to pass the physical tests because you're obviously like right. saving you have to be lives fit. and you yeah. got to be able to do all that. Yeah. So, and I think that you get reevaluated too, like every so often just to make sure that you're still healthy enough. Um, so there was 
women couldn't always be firefighters. And Brenda was actually going to law school at the time. And um, then she wanted to become a firefighter when it was became open to females. So they all, a bunch of females, I think there was like 80 of them. They all trained and, and they got ready to do the physical testing and none of oh them passed. Because, yeah, because they they made it unequal and I, I don't want to make it seem like they made it easier for women but there was there was certain things and this is why I'd love to do a full episode on it so we could dive deeper into it but there was something that was unequal about it and they weren't being fair to the women so none of the women made it and so Brenda became the face of the lawsuit and they they told her fine if you win this lawsuit and you pass all the physical testing you have to dedicate your life to being a firefighter because they thought that she just wanted to make the fire department look bad and make it look like, oh, that they're not being fair to women, even though they weren't. And she was also a law student. So they thought that the fire department thought she was just trying to like make a spectacle of them, but didn't actually want to commit her life to firefighting. So she told them, yes, if I win this lawsuit and it becomes more equal, I'll dedicate my life to being a firefighter. And that's what she did. So um, on 9-11, she worked alongside all of the firefighters. And like I said, 343 firefighters lost their lives that day. Um, And she said, quote, I don't think of myself as just opening the door for girls and women. I opened doors for everyone. I think of myself as expanding the idea of how wrong gender stereotypes are for boys and girls. Wow. So I wanted to highlight her because yes, she, she lost her, or she didn't lose her life. Sorry. Um, But so many people around her and her brothers and sisters who were she worked with every day they lost their lives and she still mourns that loss because that's awful um and that's a void that will never be filled but um she paved the way for female firefighters in the 80s and so many years later she helped save so many lives during 9-11 wow so So you mentioned in the beginning that she was actually going to school to be a lawyer and then she ended up being a firefighter, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think she has a really cool life story. And so I would love to do an episode on her so that we can dive more into it and just get the details really accurate because it was just really interesting. I was just reading a tiny bit about her and I looked her up even more and there was so much more. So I would love to have yeah, an episode cool. about her. Wow. Well, that is the end of all of the heroes that we are going to highlight today. Um, like we said, there are so many more. So click on the links in our show notes and just do your own research to really honor all of those people who lost their lives. And we just want to send um, our love to everybody on this really hard day. I know this episode is coming out the day after, but um, it's still going to be really heavy. So we send our love and support to everybody, and we just truly want to honor all these heroes who embodied what it is to be an American and really just sacrifice their lives. And they didn't have to, right. but they did. So we want to say thank you to all of you guys out there, and we do send your love. Especially love to, to those who were personally affected or did lose a loved one or know somebody that was affected. We're truly sorry. And like Haley said, we're sending our love to you on this day. Um, if you guys know of anyone who was affected by the attacks, please send it to us. Please let us know. Like we'd love to get their story out there and highlight the amazing person they were if they lost their life. Um, 
but yeah so um like we always say we are on youtube we're on spotify podbean google Podcasts. guys we look terrible because every week we say we're <laughs> we're trying so Apple hard Podcasts. and here's we are we're having a lot of issues so um it is a, a work in progress we're really trying and we're, we're dedicating time to it so um for now just subscribe on those platforms that we just listed um comment below let us know what you think let us know your thoughts anything else you want to say because we yes love and be sure to follow guys. our instagram at real talk about feminism we'll be posting pictures of these people we mentioned in this episode and more content every week Yep. So follow us on all those platforms, follow us on Instagram. And as always, you guys all have a great week and we'll be back next week.